You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone was lying against it, and Jesus said, take the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they might believe that you sent me. And when he said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him. Turn to your neighbor and say, unbind him. And let him go. Come on and put your hands together for the gospel. And I would be remiss if I didn't say, put your hands together for this wonderful worship team, the musicians, the choir. So look, the resurrection of Jesus means nothing if we do not live as resurrection people. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is inconsequential. It is irrelevant, it is insignificant, and frankly, it is worthless if we do not experience a resurrected life. Uh, Let me just make it plain from the outset this morning. What happened early Sunday morning 2,000 years ago is meaningless if we are not changed on this Sunday morning. You know, uh, uh, somehow... Sometimes we we tell the story from a script that somehow suppresses the significance of the salvific and sacrificial situation that took place at Calvary to save you and me. And we make Easter out to be a feel-good story. And we speak as if the story is just a piece of literature. And we think as if it is just a theological abstraction and we act as if resurrection is a fabricated falsehood, and we live as if death was not defeated. So unless we situate ourselves within that grand movement from death to life, this great celebration today will be just that. A nice party with good music, pretty decorations, nice dresses, beautiful gowns, and cute streamers. And then we all go home to business as usual. Oh yes, beloved, I think that on today, 
resurrection itself must be resurrected. If the people of God do not leave here changed and do not bring words off the scripture page, then we have diminished the significance of what Christ Jesus did at Calvary. If the people of God do not depart from this place with a renewed sense of purpose, then we dilute the potential and the potency of the power of the resurrection. If the people of God do not bring these words to life and find new meaning in that well-rehearsed script, then this service will be just noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. But if the people of God really take resurrection seriously, then things might change. If the people of God uh, take the resurrection seriously, then circumstances might change. If the people of God take resurrection seriously, then chains might be broken. If the people of God claim their right to eternal life, not because we've earned it, but because of God's unmerited favor and those two twins called grace and mercy, uh, then we might start living in a way that transforms the world. If the people of God, oh yes, I'm reminded of what a chronicler once said, if uh, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then God will restore the land. On this Easter Sunday, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And the power of the resurrection resides in us adopting a resurrection mindset, a resurrection world view, a resurrection way of seeing. Yes, if we want to change the world and our lives, then we must change how we tell the story. We must change how we tell the story. You see, the resurrection story is so fantastic that it's easy to mistake it as a fantasy. Of all the outrageous stories in the Bible, the story of Easter takes the cake. Uh, more than Noah and the ark and David and Goliath, more than Jonah and the well, more than Joseph and his amazing technicolor dream coat, the story of Jesus and his resurrection from the grave is a story that almost reads like a fairy tale. Once upon a time in a land far away, there was a man named Jesus or so the story seems to go. Therefore, instead of speaking about fact, it appears that we're talking about fiction. Check it, even St. Luke's Gospel testifies and tells us that, quote, these words of the resurrection of Jesus seemed to the apostles an idle tale, and they did not believe. They did not believe the women. Now, I'm sure that part of the male apostles' problem was that they were trying to mansplain things to the women. You know, the women who were actually at the cross and the women who were actually at the tomb early in the morning when the men were still hiding or at least still sleeping. Uh, the men probably said something like, women, you're being hysterical. 
what you're saying cannot possibly be true. But I believe the women said to the men, we know what we saw because we walk by faith and not by sight. And I have seen it with my own eyes, spiritual eyes that can see. And Jesus is not dead. He is risen. Uh, I believe the women probably said something like, you know, we went to the tomb with the spices that we had prepared, expecting to anoint and embalm the body, and we wondered who would roll away the stone for us. But when we got there, the stone was already moved, and we did not need the spices we had prepared, because in the tomb wasn't my Lord. Rather, there were two angels there, and they asked us, why do you look for the living among the dead? The women probably said something like, we could hardly believe it ourselves at first. Uh, we, we thought our mind was playing tricks on us, but then they took a deep breath and they started to remember what Jesus had told them. Yeah, the women, they got talking among themselves and, and they probably had the first womanist in gathering, Adama and Amber, uh, uh, because you see, because resurrection is about community. Perhaps Mary Magdalene said to Mary, the mother of James, yeah, I, he told us that he was going to suffer. He told us that he would die. But I also remember something else that he told us. He told us that destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Yeah, 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 that's what he said. That's what he said. And the women remembered the whole story. They remembered the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. And what at first they thought was an idle tale became a present day reality. A present day reality. So you see, beloved, resurrection is not so much of a historical moment or even the coming future in which the dead in Christ will rise, but rather resurrection is a present day posture. It is a present day posture of life's resurgence within this life. We must remember the truth about ourselves despite what the world tells us. When the world and people tell you that you're not worth anything, that you are not loved, when, when people try to divide us, the, the message of the cross and the resurrection says that nothing can separate us. Uh, not height, nor depth, nor things past, nor things to come, nor powers, nor principalities, nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Nothing, not even death. Yes, beloved, the resurrection story is such a fantastic story that we might mistake it for a fantasy. The resurrection so radical that it appears ridiculous, so mysterious it seems magical, so terrific that it cannot be true. I believe that too often We've been reading from a scripture from a script. We've been reading scripture from a script that has surrendered the gospel to a worldview that is hopeless, defeatist, nihilistic, and pessimistic. We've allowed others to tell our own story, the story about ourselves and even the story about Jesus. Well, today, it's time to flip the script. 
and reclaim the gospel and proclaim good news. Look, think about it this way. I am progressive and I am evangelical because I believe that the good news is for all people. And the gospel is good news for the oppressed and the good news liberates us. And the gospel, it sets us free. And as a progressive evangelical, I'm here to tell you that the resurrection was not a magic trick. It wasn't an optical illusion or a sleight of hand. Those words were not mere rhetoric or metaphorical speech. The resurrection is not make-believe. So here is what I believe, that resurrection is a reality. In this real life, it is the greatest witness that there is to life. That resurrection is about radical love and radical solidarity and radical togetherness and, oh yes, radical triumph. And resurrection, it is that divine reversal of the suffocation at the crucifixion. It is God flipping the script against anything that denies life. Resurrection is God's radical and unwavering and uncompromised and unchanged commitment to human flourishing. It is the culmination of Jesus' promise to all people, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you know, I'm excited that after a long journey through the Linton wilderness, the wait is over. Uh, Yes, the wait is over, but in order to appreciate the wait, the enormity of what happened and what is yet still happening today, we must change how we tell the tale. If we want to change the story, then we must change how we tell our central story if we want to change the world. Amen? So today I want to offer you this, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ must be read in light of Jesus' resurrection of Lazarus that the resurrection of Jesus Christ ought to be read in light of the resurrection of Lazarus by Jesus. And then that becomes the basis for us living a resurrected life. It is the intersection of these two stories that heaven meets earth. And we reclaim that the same power at work in Christ Jesus is the same power at work in us. John's gospel in chapter 11 offers to us that story. We've heard it read. We've read a few verses a moment ago. I invite you to read the entire chapter uh, because it is perhaps the most human of stories. Let me recap it for a moment. It is a story of sickness unto death, of loss, of grief, and of empathy. Here's what happened. First, Lazarus is sick. The text doesn't actually say what's actually wrong. So in a way, it really doesn't matter what's the matter. What really matters is what happens next. Lazarus is sick, and and Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, they call Jesus. They say, come and see about your friend. He is ill. And Jesus says, don't worry, this illness does not lead to death. And Jesus does not come immediately. He waits two additional days before he comes to Bethany. I don't know about you sometimes. I I feel uh, like Mary and Martha. 
Where is God in the midst of all the suffering? When you're going through, it seems sometimes that God is not concerned and Jesus is not worrying about your circumstance, about your situation. And the story goes on to say, when it seems like Jesus is nowhere to be found, in the midst of Lazarus's illness, Lazarus dies. It's a really troubling story, really. Although Jesus had just said that the illness does not lead to death, Jesus then says to his disciples that Lazarus has fallen asleep. And, and the disciples, they're confused, right? And, and then Jesus says plainly that Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. And in this moment, Jesus flips the script and changes things up, but not in a good way, right? First, he says the sickness is not deadly, and then Jesus says that the illness actually killed Lazarus. So Martha and Mary, they're confused. In fact, they're angry, they're grieving, they're hurt, and they're disappointed. Again, I'm sure we've all been where they were. Why are things the way they are? Sometimes we find ourselves angry at God, confused because the promises of God do not make sense according to what's happening around us. And it's right there in the midst of her hurt that Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here. Lord, if you had only been here. The story then tells us that Jesus weeps, he has empathy, modeling that the divine is not separate from us, that the incarnate God and flesh God weeps when we lose loved ones, when we lose jobs, when we lose things that are important to us, things that we hold close to our hearts. But here's the key, here's the key, here's the key. Jesus weeps and he witnesses to a counter-reality. He stands in solidarity during the problem, during the tribulation, during the trouble, and in the midst of the trouble, Jesus proclaims that trouble don't last always. Yeah. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And, and Martha said, I know he's going to rise again in the great resurrection in the final days. I know the story and I have read the script. I've heard it all before. Mm, <laughs> and Jesus says, no, 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 you've gotten it all wrong, baby. Uh, you've gotten it twisted. Now I've got to flip the script again. Uh, Jesus says you've been thinking about resurrection as a thing, but resurrection is not a thing. Resurrection is a person. And you're talking to him. You've been thinking about something that's going to happen later, but resurrection is happening right now. Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Oh yes, Jesus flips the script again, but this time it makes more sense. Beloved, I'm here to tell you that resurrection is not an event, but an encounter with Jesus. Resurrection is not an event, but it's an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus is not merely a person, but Jesus himself is an experience. The scripture tells us that Lazarus encounters Jesus when he was dead. 
Oh, yes, there are several types of death. The physical death when one loses one's heartbeat. But then there's also the psychic death when one loses one's mind. Or social death when one loses one's connection. Or spiritual death when one loses one's direction. Whatever the case, we've all had those moments when we found and felt dead. And we've lost our way. And it seems like there is no way out. The scripture tells us that Lazarus encounters Jesus right there when he was dead. But check this, even death was no match for the encounter with Jesus because Jesus is life. Jesus is life. And, 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 and when you encounter Jesus, it's not like meeting any other person. Oh, when you encounter Jesus, you have a spiritual experience. When you encounter Jesus, your life is no longer the same. When you encounter Jesus, when you've been experiencing something like death, dead ends, dead end jobs, dead end relationships, dead end marriages, dead end directions, when you've experienced something like death, when your passion is gone and your drive is no longer there, and your strength has disappeared even when your faith has dried up. Yes, Lazarus encounters Jesus when he is dead and it's right there in the midst of our death. Right there, you might, right there when you feel yourself dying, it's right there that you need to meet Jesus. Right at the tomb, uh, that's where Jesus met Lazarus. Right there in the tomb and Jesus calls his name Lazarus. Lazarus. Oh, Jesus is calling your name this morning, beloved. He, he said, Lazarus, come out. Oh, yes, it was a divine reversal. And again, I believe that the script was flipped. And Jesus calls to the dead man. It was the original call and response. Jesus uh, calls out, Lazarus, live again. Lazarus, breathe again. Lazarus, get up again. Dead man, dance again. Dead man, rejoice again. Dead man, celebrate again. Jesus calls out, come out, Lazarus. Unbind him and let him go. And, and, and guess what? The, the story tells us that when Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out, then Lazarus came out. It was a dead man walking. And Jesus calls out, unbind this man because death is to be bound, to be trapped, to be held captive to doubt and destruction, to be prisoner to habits and addictions. But I just stopped by to tell you today that bondage is beyond, is not beyond the resurrection, that there is no problem that the world can throw at you that is, that is final. Oh yes, Lazarus, he had to leave his grave clothes behind. And I imagine today that Lazarus, the one who had been dead, when he was unwrapping those death shrouds, when he was taking off those mummy wraps, I imagine that he had something to say. I imagine that he had a testimony. I imagine that he might have even had a song, you know, although it, it hadn't been penned and it wouldn't be penned to about 2,000 years later. Maybe he even sang Diana Ross's song. When, when, it, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, I, I believe Lazarus had Diana Ross's song, I'm coming out. Ben, can you help me out this morning? Let it show. I'm coming. 
the world to know, like to let it show. Look, beloved, the resurrection is a coming out from anything that causes us to die inside. Yes, yes, yes. Resurrection is a coming out from anything that causes us to die inside. Coming out from captivity, coming out from narrow thinking, coming out from defeatism, coming out from bondage, coming out from bitterness, coming out from anger, coming out from pettiness, coming out from disappointment, coming out from small thinking, coming out from self-doubt. Oh, watch out, baby, we're coming out. God is doing a new thing here at Union, and we are coming out because God has something in store for us, and the best is still yet to come. God has done marvelous things. God has done miraculous things, but I believe that God is just getting started. Watch out, baby. Watch out, baby. We are coming out. So the resurrection is not a divine transaction between a distant God and the Son of God. The resurrection of Lazarus demonstrates that the triune God is immensely interested in our earthly condition. Resurrection Sunday then is not simply about the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. But this Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is about the resurrection of humanity. So the question, beloved, it is Resurrection Sunday. So the question is, will you be resurrected today? Will you be resurrected today? As I take my seat, if the answer is yes, then let us leave this place having adopted a resurrection mindset. And a resurrection mindset says that in the midst of death all around us, we pay attention to our breath. Because to breathe is to be resurrected. Just breathe. Every breath is an act of daily resurrection because my last breath could have been my last breath. But resurrection is my declaration. Breathing is my declaration. It's a community's proclamation. Not today, Satan. Because I've got resurrected breath. And I am resurrected. And since I'm alive, I might as well live. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And you, me, I am responsible for resurrecting me 
No one else is responsible. I am responsible for resurrecting me. So every morning when you rise, just take a deep breath. Because it's resurrection breath. The resurrection mindset is a mindfulness practice that intentionally cherishes each breath as a sign of resurrection. It's a way of paying attention that each morning when you rise, uh, take a centering moment each day that is rooted in our central story as Christians. Because when Jesus inhales, it is nothing short of the proclamation of new life, a new creation. Just as God breathes the breath of life into lips of clay at creation in Genesis, God breathes new life in resurrection. And if God did it before, then I believe that God can do it again. A couple of weeks ago, Tommy helped us to discover that to breathe is to utter the very name of God. So in resurrection, Jesus, when he breathes again, he declares simply that God is. So when we breathe without words, we declare that God is. To breathe is to claim God's name as our own. To claim God as our own. A God who is closer to us than the very air that we breathe. So this mindfulness practice, every morning when you rose, before you get out of bed, what might happen if every morning when we rose, before we got out of bed, we offered a breath prayer, a mindfulness practice that that lives out that when we rise each morning, we claim the significance of what happens, that each day is a gift, and as it is a miracle, that we inhale resurrection breath and we exhale crucifixion and the pain and destruction that the world throws at us. In a world that celebrates death and destruction and violence, resurrection is to reclaim your life, to reclaim your story, just as Auntie Maxine reclaimed her time. Yes, she teaches us that when a bully tries to take something from you, You take it right back. So we're going to take back what the devil stole from us. Check it, check it, and I'm almost done. Check it. On Palm Sunday, the people cried Hosanna. And then on Good Friday, they flipped the script, and the mob mentality turned the Hosannas into cries of crucify him. And then they nailed him to a cross, and Jesus breathed his last and said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The devil flipped the script. But on Easter Sunday, God flipped it right back. When Jesus breathes again, he turned the world upside down. So we are reclaiming our story and we are reclaiming our song. Some think our story is too good to be true, but I think it's too good not to be true. Some say that it can't be real. But beloved, it's the realest thing I know. And in case you missed it, I think I got to tell you one more time because it's worth saying because it is great to say. It is it's worth saying because it's like a melody from heaven and it sounds like music to my ears. And you know what? I get joy 
I get joy. I get joy when I think about that it had been a long week. Uh, you know, on, on, on Sunday they celebrated him, but then by Thursday Jesus betrayed him. And on Friday, uh, they hung him high and they, they stretched him wide and he could have come down, but guess what? He decided to die. Uh, they denied him not once, uh, not twice, but three times. But catch this, on the third day, uh, on the first day of the week, early Sunday morning before the sun rose, the sun rose. Uh, and that's why we sing today that he got up with all power in his hands. All the power, not just some of the power or a piece of the power or a part of the power, not a portion of the power, but Jesus got up with all power, not a fragment of the power, not a fraction of the power, but all the power. And it's that same power, that same power, that same power that lives in you and in me. God has done what God promised to do. So take a deep breath. Live the resurrection because the script has been flipped. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.